Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. We get really dorky about coffee. We talk about the roasting, where it comes from, how what you buy affects the farmers, and so much more with Rodrigo Chavez, the owner of What's the Buzz Coffee here in College Station, Texas. He gives us insight into all these things as well as how giving other people the knowledge and allowing them to succeed in the same business he is in actually increases his business. It's a really fun conversation. I really enjoyed it with a super nice guy. So enjoy this episode with Rodrigo Chavez. And now we are recording. That easy. Okay. All right, Rodrigo. (laughs) Well, we're actually in your office, I guess. Table slash tasting room. Slash teaching room. Teaching room, yeah. (laughs) Education. Education. I got a full education, which I actually went home and told Kim. I was like, man. That dude is so smart when it comes to coffee. They, like, there's so many things I learn, and it's all going in my head, and it's amazing. Yeah, coffee is really an interesting topic that you can, you know, uh, talk about it all day long and never get tired of it. Um, plus, drinking coffee is always fun. So, yes, drinking coffee is definitely always fun. Um, what did you? How did you get into like? The love of coffee. I know we kind of discussed it a little bit when we met last time, but take it back to like how that all started as far as like your interest in getting into the coffee business. Ironically, I used to have a coffee farm in Guatemala, which I didn't quite enjoy that much going and and looking at it because we had a lot of insect problems and nematodes and rust so it wasn't fun, uh, but about seven years ago, uh, we decided to come back to Texas to live to Texas in College Station, and literally the first day, uh, the next morning, I couldn't drink the coffee. I thought it tasted terrible, and I didn't know why that was, and uh, obviously the quality of the beans were not of high quality, but also the quality of the water. Uh, the water in College Station has a lot of chlorine to begin with and a lot of solids. So that makes uh, the perfect combination for a butt cup of coffees. 98 plus percent of your coffee cup is water and less than 2% is actual coffee. So you need to have good beans, good flavors, uh, but also uh, because it's less than two percent, so if the quality is not there, uh, that's not going to show up. And the water is the same thing. There's such a large percentage that if you're putting the wrong water, uh, your cup of coffee is not going to taste good. And uh, that's basically how I started. I bought my own roaster, started roasting at home, and now is this roaster like a? pan because i know some people have done it with like just a pan like a little wok type thing or did you actually get like a roaster or just a popcorn machine i actually got a a roaster roaster i started uh doing my coffee on a popcorn machine i had to wait close to two months before i actually got my roaster and it was uh, one kilo so two pounds at a time so i could roast two pounds of coffee every half an hour (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome and from there he kind of you know went on and uh people started buying coffee um fresh coffee good quality 
and uh, before I knew I was really uh, selling much more coffee than what I anticipated so I started looking into buying a bigger roaster a more commercial roaster and uh, one thing led to another and here we are with several roasters and uh, we import coffee from different parts of the world uh, all high quality specialty coffee and uh, I really enjoy doing what I do you know so when they when you were roasting them in your house did people request like they come over and try it and they go oh man I want to buy some of that or how did you start selling it like did that just happen organically or did you push actually selling the bags as part of your roasting deal well it it happened by I would say maybe a mistake I was roasting in my garage and it was a cold winter day so there was smoke coming out of the garage door and my neighbor was walking and uh she came over actually to see what was going on because she could see some smoke coming out and I was roasting there so she thought it was pretty cool and she asked if she could buy some coffee and I said here you know take a pound and try it and you tell me and she came back and it's like this is amazing coffee you need to start selling this uh, I'll buy it as long as you keep roasting and it kind of went from there so it was it was kind of an accident in a sense but uh it was a good accident to have yeah and then word of mouth just spread and you started selling more and more of these bags exactly did you bag it yourself too like we did you bagged just put it in ziplocs or how did that work out we well i actually was able to buy bags um there's a lot of stores that you can get the bags from uh, the only thing is they have to buy 500 bags at a time. So <laughs> I picked the, hey, if I'm as a neutral caller, uh, and, uh, it started from there, you know, no logos, no anything. I was writing, uh, the, t- the quality of the, of the, um, of the coffee and where it came from origin, uh, on a, with a, with a Sharpie and a, and a sticker. And uh, because it was it was really a small sale where I was roasting maybe five or ten pounds uh, per week. It was more of a hobby. Uh, So it was a lot of fun. Still is. But it was the business changed. And that that really opened the door. Did you know a lot of the education behind what you were making from owning the farm? Or was that something you did while you're experimenting? Well, I knew a different part of the, the of the chain. I knew what it takes to produce good coffee, and how hard it actually is to to produce good to produce good quality coffee. Uh, I didn't really know that much uh, what went on after uh, a roaster got the coffee and they roasted it. So I took a lot of online classes, read a lot about coffee. Uh, took some classes at the Specialty Coffee Association um, and uh, just kind of soaked myself on it. And uh, the more I read, the more interesting it got. So that's pretty much what I've been doing uh, for the past five years, just doing a lot of reading, uh, a lot of classes online and physically to learn more and more about coffee. But now I'm working more towards the roasting and selling of good fresh quality beans yeah and it is good quality stuff like and uh so full transparency here i guess you said the other owner of this 
company at one point in time did more of just like a I don't know you said mass production type stuff um, or your typical like Folgers Maxwell House get it into restaurants that type of thing is what they were doing and you switched it over now I tried it before you actually got it and so I had this vision of what's the buzz coffee as in like that taste and I was like I don't really like it that much. I mean, it's cool that they have the roasting thing. It's just not my jam. And then I try it here in your place. I'm like, oh, wait, this is delicious. Like, it's really good coffee. Yes. um, The previous owner from which I bought the business about five years ago, uh, he was working with what we call more um, traditional coffees or more uh, commercial coffees. And... He was also flavoring coffees, uh, such as pecan flavor. Uh, you use some oils to do that. Uh, Same as like the pumpkin or like it, the vanilla flavor, the chocolate correct. flavor. Yes. Now, how, I have a quick question, mm-hmm. not to derail what we were about to, just talking about, but does that mess up your roasting machine? Because all those oils are in there. Like, how do you clean up after that when they do when you, when you do something like that? That's a great question. We act well. We don't do it anymore. But uh, you roast your beans just like uh, you would roast any other beans. Uh, we call them beans, but they're actually seeds uh, because coffee is a a fruit. So we roast the seeds that we call beans, <laughs> and uh, once they're roasted, you spray them with an oil that has those uh, flavors, so you don't mess up the roaster. Oh. Or you don't need to clean it. Gotcha. But you do have to clean the machine that you use uh, to add or to spray those oils to the coffee. Uh, even the grinders, if you that's grind coffee, that flavor will be there forever. That's why I asked, because yeah. I have not um, purposely ever ground any flavored coffee, even as an experiment in my grinder, because... I don't want that. Like, I'm not a big fan of them. Not that they're bad. I'm just not a fan. And I know that that's going to mess up the flavor of my whole bean coffee. Yeah, it's going to get stuck in there for a very, very long time. So you'll be grinding coffee with whatever flavor <laughs> <laughs> you you decide to grind yeah, there. Before. All of it's pumpkin spice year round. That's yeah, what I exactly. Got. <laughs> so it's it. We we actually sold a few ro- uh, grinders that were used before for that purpose and. Because we cleaned them inside out, and you can still taste the flavor. So we decided um, not to use them anymore, and uh, we went from a more commercial type of coffee operation to a higher end, which is called specialty coffee. Uh, And that's what we do now, so we don't mess with flavors. For the people who don't understand this, because I had an idea of specialty coffee, it's just higher quality. Right, I mean, you could say that, but you went in depth and showed me the beans differently between a high quality coffee or a specialty coffee, as you call it, and commercial coffee. Yeah, the specialty grade, um, there are several methods in which you can grade the quality of the beans and the flavor of the beans, in which uh, many of them include things such as the density of the moisture of the beans, the size of the beans, um, that they don't have insect damage or fungus, um, that they're current. What I mean by current is from the current crop. 
And obviously, there's a lot of things that you have to find in taste and aroma once you roast and cup uh, the coffee. So once you add all this combination of different things, the long story short, you need to score at least 80 points or above. Uh, and if the beans actually get that that high up, they become uh, specialty grade or specialty coffee. Uh, only Arabica beans can become specialty coffee. Uh, Robusta beans cannot. So as oh, that we, makes sense. I actually heard a guy tell me that uh, like coffee drinkers or tasters are like you know big time coffee snobs. They look down on the robusta bean, and that this this makes sense. Why is what you're telling me right now? Well, robusta beans are of less quality. Uh, but also they grow at lower altitudes, uh, almost at sea level. Uh, the The reason why it's a lower quality, or one of the reasons, is simply because it has about twice as much caffeine as the Arabica beans. Uh, and that is a natural uh, barrier for insects. Uh, they, they don't like the acidity uh, of the of those beans so they're almost insect free the, and, ara- uh, the not the arabica but the, the robusta the robusta beans are almost insect free almost insect free what's that do to the flavor though well insects depends on what kind of insect uh, or plague do, do they have but it can it can make a little hole throughout the bean and the way that affects is that when you roast it that heat is going to go inside that hole and it's going to roast differently than he would roast if he didn't have the hole. So, uh, too many holes will also uh, change the roasting, could change the roasting profile of the beans. Um, so, all those things are taken uh, in consideration when they uh, do the grading. And um, going back to the to the Robusta, uh, it's very acidic because of the high content of caffeine. So they're only used uh, mainly to do instant coffee, uh, or they're in some cases they're used to extract the caffeine to make decaf coffees, uh, and then the caffeine sold to make soda drinks, for example. Which is another thing that tripped me out yesterday. I was like, that is a cool piece of knowledge that I didn't know that was super fun to learn. Yeah, they, they, they don't throw anything away. Uh, they, they, they utilize the, the caffeine for, for other industries, such as uh, soft sodas or it could be any other energy drink. They, they pick up the caffeine and they add it to it. Yeah. So the, this whole process, like, it's, I love talking to people that are just passionate. Like, you dove down a rabbit hole of something you love to do. I have necessity for wanting a good quality coffee. Like, you needed something good. You started doing it yourself. You're selling this stuff. It leads you to the point where, like, this company comes up for sale. Is that what happened? Like, you just happened to run across it at a certain time? Or how did you cross paths with finding this place? We started, well, I started selling more and more coffee um, just organically. And... Um, a friend of mine who was actually buying coffee said, well, you know, I know the owner of this roastery. Um, and when I met him, he said, you know, you're 
selling to some of my customers and uh we need to do something and i said well you need to <laughs> roast better coffee you know <laughs> better quality so he said well i'm gonna buy you out and i said sure let's do that and it took about a year before we reached an agreement and it was moving very slow but the business kept growing so in the meantime i was i had another roastery out of san antonio who was uh, roasting for me because the capacity of my roaster was very small and out of pure luck uh, I saw an ad about this roastery that went out of business in in uh, Austin so I called him up and I went to see the owner and he said well you know just I mean everything was there everything that I needed so I said well I'm gonna buy it and uh, brought it back to call station and as soon as I brought it back, uh, the I saw the back then the current owner of What's a Bus, and he noticed that I did have the roaster, <laughs> so he knew I was going to go in business. And that's when uh, a few weeks later, we or maybe a week later, uh, he we reached an agreement, and I ended up not he, he didn't buy me out, but I ended up buying him out. And since then, we've been making as many changes as possible to move into a more quality uh, or better quality of beans. And we roast almost on a daily basis just to ensure everything's fresh. Um, sometimes a full day, sometimes just half a day, but just to keep up with, with the freshness of the coffee. But it seems like, I mean, you're telling me that story, it seems like he was in it for the money. Like, not that it's a bad thing, but he was selling coffee because it made him money versus you're wanting to get in the coffee business because you love coffee. Yeah, I think it's something like that. Uh, we're probably making less money than he was making, and we're selling probably three times more coffee than he was he was selling. But I think it's it's we, we really take our time and we try to teach people how to drink coffee, as weird as that sound. Because uh, if you actually buy coffee from the supermarket or anywhere else and you make the coffee at home, you're actually become a barista yourself because you decide what quality of water or how much water and the same thing, what ratio of water coffee you're using. And when the coffee doesn't turn out as tasty as you would like to, you usually blame the coffee. But you don't blame yourself for <laughs> for using bad water or for using the wrong ratio. You yeah. Know? yeah. So I, I I tell everybody my favorite ratio is seventeen to one. So for each part of coffee, you use seventeen of water. So you use one ounce of coffee, seventeen ounces of water, and that works fairly well for most of the uh, coffee makers or what we call pour overs, because water is poured on top of the. Coffee. So if you're going to weigh it, one ounce of coffee per 17 ounces of water. Mm-hmm. Correct. That's that's a cool way. To, and, and that is something that um, I struggle with figuring out, and maybe it's my lack of searching for it correctly, but there's a lot of information on the Internet that gets all confusing and it's weird. It's like they try to give you this crazy formula, but, I mean, and my wife weighs and measures a lot of food, and so I'm used to that, but... It's basically, I don't know, what is it? A couple of tablespoons is going to be an ounce, and that, then you do that to 17 ounces of water. Like, you can kind of roughly estimate that. Yes. Um, 
it's it's kind of funny you mention it because most people ask me how many spoonfuls they should use when, when brewing coffee and the truth is that as you continue to roast your coffee and let's say you have a light roasted and a dark roasted the dark roasted coffee will weight less by volume because more water has actually evaporated from the bean huh. so that spoonful will weight less than a full spoon of a very light coffee maybe it's not a huge difference but it, it on a single cup of coffee it can make it taste a little bit better or worse so that's why we prefer to say weight use a, 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 some sort of a weight device to make sure your coffee always has the same ratio with the water uh, because eyeballing it with just a spoon can be a little and you can fluctuate fl and well it can fluctuate for one but I really that's something else I didn't know that the beans can weigh and I should I should have known that being the food service that it makes sense like the different yeah. things weigh different and uh, the business I'm in now like the granules all weigh different like there's a certain cup for a certain granule because they're not all the same weights and so it makes sense like yes just silly for me to think that but that the beans would be any different but you think the grind size is going to be the same why is it not going to weigh the same that's 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 another uh, interesting uh, thing that you mentioned, the grind size, because we mostly buy coffee from supermarkets and the bags are pre-grinded for us with a medium-sized grind. And that, I'm going to say, it works for most coffee makers, but each method requires different uh, granule size. For example, an espresso machine uses a very fine Turkish uses almost powder, um, and then a French press uses a very coarse. And the reason for that is because it depends on how long the water is in contact with the beans or the granules. So the longer they're in contact, the less, the the bigger the grain, and the less time they're in contact. Let's say an espresso machine, water goes through it for 26 seconds approximately. So they need to pull the flavors very quickly, so you grind it finer. So I'm sure it has happened to most of you or most of us that we overflow or coffee flows out of our coffee machine. Yeah. And that's probably because, one, we use too much coffee, or two, it was too powdery. So for, the, for that method, the coffee kind of flows out of the paper filter. So... Uh, yeah, paying attention to those things, like you said, it's just like cooking. You know, you need to have a coffee maker, get a regular medium grind, good water, measure the amount, the ratio, and um, use always filter water. I mean, that's basic, really basic. Use filter water. Tap water has especially a lot of, like I said, uh, chlorine, which makes the coffee taste kind of weird so we're all we're, most of us are used to drinking with tap water coffee with tap water but actually uh, it's not as good so if you can you at least leave your water outside uh, or, or in a bucket or anything overnight so some of the chlorine oh, really? evaporates so like if you put it let's say you put it in your coffee maker at night and just let it sit 
in there and then start your coffee in the morning. That's better than if you take it straight from the faucet into the right. coffee maker. Yeah, and if you can leave the lid aside so it can evaporate some of the yeah the volatile chlorine particles, that's even better. So, oh, yeah, that's an interesting tip because I mean, not everybody's going to have a a you know coffee filtration. Not everybody's going to take the time to put the filtered water. Not everybody's going to take time to grind beans. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different things that they're not like. They just they want something that tastes good, but there's a way they can get good tasting coffee. And not like that's a little tip that they can use to help their coffee taste even better. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good water, better coffee grind. Hopefully, fresh coffee. And uh, then you have a perfect cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So where, let's. Where did you you were born in Guatemala, right? Correct. And you worked there, um, and decided you didn't want to hang around Guatemala. Mm-hmm. And so you head back to the United States. I mean, you head up to the United States for school. I, when I was 16 years old, my mom decided it would be super cool for me to uh, go to school here. So they sent me to, it's called St. John's in Minnesota, Mm -hmm. St. John's Prep School. So I did my junior and senior year there. And from there, I applied to uh, different colleges. Uh, I actually wanted to come to A&M. Uh, I didn't make the cut, so <laughs> I went to... <laughs> this is a fun, This yeah. is funny, just because. This is funny. <laughs> so I went to the next best thing, which was uh, Tarleton State, uh, which is in Stephenville. And then, there I got an animal science degree. I uh, never got around to transfer. I guess uh, I was having fun there. And um, it was, you know, good school to go to um and then eventually i got a master's from a&m so for me texas has been always like my second home and now it's my home so yeah uh, when i decided to come back i i didn't have any questions in my mind i wanted to come back to texas gotcha so uh yeah so, so you went from school back to guatemala and then you came back from guatemala again after you've now, did you get your master's after that point, or was the master's something you got and then went back to Guatemala? No, I got, there, there was a program. Unfortunately, they shut it down last year. A&M had an agribusiness uh, and economics master's degree in Guatemala. So oh. the professors used to fly over the weekends uh, for six months out of the year. So we took classes Thursday, Friday, and Saturday all day during six How months. How cool is that? That's awesome. Uh, and then it lasted, supposedly it was going to be one year, and then they decided it was not enough uh, to call it a master's, so they added two more years. Uh, long story short, it was five years. <laughs> 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 and I was with the first class who graduated from from that master's degree in Guatemala. And the program went on for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Um and they had to cancel it, I think, last year or the year before last. Uh, but it was, yeah, most of my professors, they're still teaching here. So I get to see them quite frequently. Um, I work with some of them, actually, help them out with some classes. And uh, one of them has a entrepreneurship class. So he sends over some of his students so we can help him out uh, to set up 
a business plan or or some ideas on how to start a business. Um, so I'm I'm really thankful in that sense that we remain in contact with them, and we had been friends for so many years. Uh, yeah. So it's been really interesting. So what uh you you grow this business so you take it over from him you're selling more you said you're probably making less but you've built the business and the name up a lot more um with what you're doing and then somebody comes and offers you this job to go travel around and look at bo- look at coffee well the university texas a&m has a coffee center it's called center for coffee research and education and uh, they're doing amazing things through the Warlock Institute. Uh, one of the things that they're doing is uh, they're helping farmers in the Northern Triangle, Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala. And uh, coffee prices are down, in particular for commercial coffee. So there's literally hundreds of thousands of families who are struggling um, with coffee prices, they can barely survive. So this project is actually working directly with them and showing them how to uh, do a budget, how to sell coffee, but also introducing new varieties of coffee hybrids that produce more coffee and they're less uh, susceptible to disease. So it, it's still, you know, coffee related. So for me, it's not really a job. It's something that I enjoy even more doing yeah. uh, because I get to share uh, the experiences uh, or the technology that we have with these farmers, and they're very um, humble in that sense. Uh, but also sh- we get to learn a lot from their experience and their knowledge. So it's a win-to-win um, experience. Um and I started working with them uh, two, three years ago, mainly because of the educational component. Uh, specialty coffee, it's kind of like craft beer. It, it's a movement. Every, I would say the coffee industry is shifting uh, quite a bit. and More people are drinking specialty coffee and less of a more commercial coffee. So, but not not very people know the difference. So once you learn, and once you learn how to make coffee, and once you learn about the difference, most people really enjoy uh, a taste that they didn't know it exists in coffee. And just being able to teach that or, or to let people know the difference, it's been an amazing experience. So I started uh, working with the university. Uh, helping to teach a class about coffee how to roast coffee how to drink coffee how to taste coffee and uh history of coffee so we get we bring students here uh, and show them how to roast coffee as well so it's an amazing experience uh for them and i also enjoy you know the, the the experience of working with them uh, we did that also with the local uh, high school a couple of times in which they oh, brought cool. some of the students. Um, and it, it, it's a, I think it's uh, once you learn more about coffee and the proper way of drinking coffee or preparing coffee, uh, you start 
you know, selecting more what you drink and experimenting more, and that's 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 amazing. That's the fun part. That's, that's where it gets like part. you know, just like a glass of wine, or now your craft beers. You you enjoy it like you you that's where you and you're enjoying the taste around your atmosphere and your relaxation and everything else it's the same thing with the coffee that's the way it is for me in the morning that's why you, i say my goofy videos come from like that's my little time in the morning that i get to just kind of enjoy my time and i would encourage everyone to look for the coffee flavor wheel uh, flavor and aroma wheel which describes all the flavors and aromas that could be present on a cup of coffee so when you're drinking that coffee you can think you might think well this is sweet or this is a little chocolatey or maybe this is floral or it has a little citrusy on it and that helps you look at the bigger picture and you should try to to figure out what flavors and aromas are in your cup of coffee and using this flavor and aroma wheel it's online it's free so uh, it makes it fun too. Yes, yeah. trying different coffees and trying to find different um, aromas and flavors in it. It's always, I think, it's always fun. You said something that's really, really, like it. It, it intrigues me that, and and it also is. There's a pattern between people who are usually like real successful um, in what they do. Doesn't doesn't mean like they're necessarily rich. It just means they're successful with what they do, and you let all the students in here you teach them how to roast you let them basically see your whole operation it's like hey uh, i don't you're gonna steal stuff from me like i'm giving my secrets away you you basically come in here and show them how to do what you're doing and but that doesn't ever seem come that doesn't come back to bite you it actually helps you out i don't know if that makes sense but that abundant mindset is like where you just freely share stuff. You don't just hold it out of being scared that somebody's going to take your business. You're like, hey, there's plenty of, th- this is good knowledge to have. Like I want you all to know this knowledge that I have th- about this wonderful thing. Well, it for me, it's, it's really a pleasure. Uh, it really complements what I do. Uh, for example, a couple of years ago with one of our, um, a girl that used to work here with me, uh, she was going to start her master's in horticulture and she gave me uh, her 15-day notice and I told her well A&M doesn't have a coffee club we need to have one for students we need to teach them how to drink better coffee how to properly prepare coffee and that's what she did the last two weeks of her job here she actually <laughs> set it up awesome. and it was approved so the university ended up approving all the the things that needed to be approved and A&M has had a coffee club for students for the past two years they have about 35 40 active members right now and uh, they they talk about coffee they come here they do fundraisers and and I think that's that's the true um, meaning I'm going to say of, of having this business too, because other people can learn. And at the end, the farmers get better prices. They get more help. Uh, they really struggle. Um, and they live on, on many of them or the majority on a really poverty level. So 
by sharing what I do and people understanding what we do, they also uh, learn why it's important to pay a little bit more for a good cup of coffee that at the end, uh, if you buy cheaper coffee, you still have to drink it. So paying a little <laughs> bit more really helps, goes, goes, goes far. And it, that money goes back to, to the, in many cases, to the grower uh, because it's not necessarily, we, we import coffee directly for, from some growers. Uh, we help uh, certain communities uh, with different things. So it's not only about making money here, it's about how far your money can go and how much you can help uh, to, to these families. So once the students and people know, um, they're amazingly gracious and they always uh, want to help. So that's, that's a big part of what we do. We don't just do good coffee, we try to support growers and people who are in need because of the uh, poverty levels too. Well, I think that's something, when you put it in those sort of terms, there's like it's not just about the price here oh i can save a couple bucks on this bag i'm gonna grab that versus hey i can actually buy this because i can afford a couple extra bucks on this bag of coffee because it's gonna last me what do you say it's 27 cents a cup for like good quality coffee is gonna run you somewhere between 20 and 30 cents a cup at your own house Mm -hmm. versus um and, and you're helping a family out with each bag that you buy actually succeed and make a better life for themselves for that little amount and you're getting the pleasure of drinking this good coffee at the same time so it's a win-win there when you go buy the cheap coffee you get like the cheap flavor and you're also helping not give them extra money they're you know that they run thin and live on this poverty level versus and i'm not saying it's necessarily bad if you like the flavor but i'm saying this the story behind this small little thing of a coffee bean is kind of crazy yeah we picked for example communities we have one in which we bought for a long time coffee uh we it's from a place in Huehuetenango uh in Guatemala and they were producing bird friendly coffee and a lot of people came over and said what is bird friendly coffee I was about to ask you the same exact thing <laughs> so <What's> bird friendly <laughs> these people decided to keep the nat- the natural forest we we use trees to shade coffee good yes. quality coffee needs to be shaded so in- instead of introducing commercially uh shade trees or varieties of trees they use the natural trees from that region um, and what that does is that when the birds migrate from the north to the south and vice versa, they find the proper nesting uh, trees, but also the proper insects that they feed from. Because when you introduce varieties that are from maybe Australia or other places, uh, you're introducing different things to that habitat. So maintaining the natural habitat uh, is important. Uh, we don't think about the birds who migrate to the south all the time, but nevertheless, it's very important for agriculture purposes uh, and um, for a balanced ecosystem. Um, and uh, so we were we helped several years that community uh, to restore and plant uh, trees that would be more uh, natural to those regions. 
so we do things like that are maybe a little crazy but i think it's it's a really nice and cool way to to support other things that it's like it's the real like when i think of helping the environment which i i'm not like a wackadoo person when it comes to that but i do 100 percent try to like this is exactly what helps the environment you're not you're not like you know going off on a big tangent. You're actually doing for one, and then planting stuff that's original habitat, not bringing in some sort of outside thing to make mm-hmm. up for a damage thing. You're replacing what was originally there to its like natural state. Correct. So you know, people ask me why would you want to do that, and I think it's just the right thing to do. You know. Uh, it's a simple answer, but it's it, yeah. such a big deal. Like it's so, just the right thing to do. Uh, may not be economically feasible to do very large areas where a small roaster, but we like to think that uh, we're supporting even you know on sm- smaller scale uh, operations. We're giving something back. We're we're supporting some other people who who actually support us too because they are producing good quality beans that we roast and sell here and then we believe that we need to make that link of the chain uh, a little bit stronger uh, because at the end a a chain is as strong as the weakest link so if they do bad we don't get coffee then we don't have a business so So you need more people to buy their beans their good quality beans so that they can produce more they'll have more money and then they have more of the natural habitat and that that all goes back to your mindset though of letting people come in here and roast and see how you roast it's like hey the more people that produce this the better off my business is correct uh i i believe even though you know we have right now uh a friend who started his coffee company uh he's also from guatemala he's selling locally his coffee and uh we roasted for them we pack it for them we do everything for him really here and then ship it back there no he's actually okay. selling his coffee here in call station oh, so gotcha. he's a okay. direct competitor okay. oh wow yeah uh, and uh <laughs> but but you know you have to open the door and allow other people to 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 do something with it yeah he's actually a coffee producer and now he wants to be a roaster and a you know have part of the rest like circle around with the chain so i think that's super cool you know because his family produces coffee and now he's trying to um roast and sell his coffee his family business do you ever feel a soft spot in your heart for people who produce the coffee and having the fields yourself do you like feel a little bit of tug knowing the feeling of what it is to grow the beans or have the beans there and, and produce them Definitely. Uh, Most coffee growers, in particular the the small coffee growers, which is the majority, uh, big ones, there are not as many uh, growers. I think there's less than 5% of the coffee comes from big or large coffee growers, and the rest comes, the majority comes from smaller um, family uh, growers. And they have to have another job. Uh, so they they pick during the coffee season, which is only happens it happens only once a year, and throughout the rest of the year they have to go and work somewhere else. 
so um, it's it's a hard living it's, it's hard to make money uh, that way uh, so we need to show them how to uh, get more for what they already have uh, to have alternate crops within their uh, land and that's kind of also part of the project that we have with with the university um, for example right now um, not many people know but I had the chance to try it um, the cherry of the coffee once it's dehydrated uh, you can make tea with it it's amazing it doesn't taste like coffee but it's no, very it's delicious I was just telling you like I, I have had that taste like oh man that stuff is so good so you it's actually more expensive than coffee um, and uh, being able to to buy that uh, doubles practically the income for for a grower that right now is just getting for selling coffee it's like chicken wings they were throwing those parts away and they're like oh wait we could throw some sauce on them and but this tastes better i think like you're getting more it's it's, it's more yeah it's a win-win so yeah. bringing over uh cascara or coffee cherry and making tea out of it it's 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 really good for the economy but also also good for the consumers who have now a different um opportunity to try something different uh, so we're trying to promote through what's buzz uh, the coffee cherries or coffee cascara uh, and again the more we sell the more we can buy and we're paying more for that cherry than what we're paying literally for the coffee yeah. so for them it's it's an amazing business you know it's just too bad that we're not able to buy that much cascara right now because the market is not uh, well educated for that yet, right? Uh, so we still have a, a long process of you need to get it in the, the hands of some like real popular hipsters and just like tell them the story behind, it and then here's the tea, and then <laughs> let that spread through them because then they're all it'll just be like a tidal wave of just yeah. a trend going through, you know? Because it's interesting. Like I read books and study the psychology of all those things. Like how does it get going? Like it's a good product. Mm-hmm. How does it actually get going? And and one of the things, I forgot, I think it was a tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell I was reading, where the guy for Airwalk would just walk around and see a cool, not a, a famous person, the popular kid. Mm-hmm. And he would give them Airwalks just to wear around. Here, here's a pair of shoes. He would wear those shoes around, and then that would bring in, that, that made Airwalk, that is what made Airwalk so popular back when they had that big rise. Yeah, we need to find a... a a cool guy or cool girl or woman <laughs> yeah. who wants to try it and make maybe you know get a few pictures yeah. and uh, get the the product going but that's an excellent way of marketing definitely yeah but so um, you've got all these different things going on i mean i'm hearing this thing you're like you've got nitro kegs like you you can do nitro kegs you've got cold brew bottles in there mm-hmm. uh which the bottles are from germany or especially picked bottles by you because you right. liked them um all these cool little projects that you're getting to just because you like to do them and the business is growing bigger and you can explain for everybody what you're about to get into because you're about to move right well the idea is to move and to have a location where people can actually see the roasting process or the packaging process or any of the teaching classes throughout a glass so they could be enjoying a nice cup of coffee or a nice cup of cascara tea or a nitro drink 
while they see you know how it's being done uh, like behind scenes and I truly believe that that's a really nice concept in which uh, people it attracts people uh, it makes it a destination place uh, but also it makes it a, a an amazing teaching place where uh, people can learn and see how we do things uh, I'm not you know I don't have a closely guarded recipe it's just about you know <laughs> doing it right you know yeah and um so that's that's the idea we want to have uh, a nicer location reopen our coffee shop we had it for a year it didn't really make sense where we had it before so we're going back a lot of people tell me i'm crazy because being on the food industry is kind of crazy but it I is think crazy i agree with you 100 percent but it's fun. It's part of the, you know, yeah. of that wave that you have to ride. And uh, well, it makes more sense. I knew where it was before, and you're, you know, from you telling me the situation, it makes more sense to have, to me, to have your coffee shop in with your where you roast your beans. We have at least one or two people on a daily basis that walks in our, our roastery thinking we're a coffee shop, <laughs> and that's why we have free coffee. So if you walk in and you want to buy coffee, there's free coffee. There's a thermos with Uh-oh. with coffee, and you can come in every day and get a little taste of the coffee. Uh, and we do it because you know I think it's it's a great opportunity for people who uh, have never had good coffee uh, to try what good coffee is all about. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, if they made the trip and they came in, might as well you know give them a small cup of coffee. Uh, so we go through quite a bit of coffee that way, and um, it's it's amazing. Uh, then how many people come back and just buy the coffee, you know? But uh, so that's what keeps us going back over and over on the idea of having a small coffee shop with the roastery in it. And I just think this is. I mean, we, this is just an awesome story from like beginning to end. It's you're a producer of the coffee. Like you saw that side, the farming of the coffee, and you never intended really to leave that and get in the coffee business. And you do a whole bunch of other little th- uh, other things, and something always came back to your love of coffee. Mm-hmm. Even it went to your garage. You're like, oh, I just want this good coffee, so I'm going to roast it. And then that turned into selling it. And so now you're back in the coffee business again here. And then you're like, you keep going, and you're like, I got this other job. I'm going to just keep doing that. This is fun hobby. And then your hobby turns into your full-time 100% like two jobs really of coffee yeah I was very fortunate to get a, a full-time job with the university uh, doing what I what I love doing you know so not many people can actually brag about waking up and go oh yes I want to <laughs> go to work you know yeah yeah but I, I, I truly like what I do uh, it's amazing uh, and same thing for the roastery. You know, I, I always enjoy um, that other side. So um, I think it's, it, you know, it, it's, a, it's a good match for me in that sense. And you meet a lot of wonderful people through coffee, having a cup of coffee. We promote uh, by uh, sponsoring what is called the One Million Cups, which is an yeah. entrepreneurship club. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would really wish I could make those meetings. Uh, I've got invited to him several times. Uh, what is it, Will? Is Will, it Will, Will Hayes. Yeah, so he, he invited me several times. I just, my job doesn't allow me to make it there. It's like. Yeah, it, you meet a lot of wonderful people. And again, you know, uh, the old, mostly they're small entrepreneurs with small businesses that have actually been successful or, or are creating some sort of success stories. And uh, it bonds the community. They're mostly local as well. Uh, and um, it's free. And we have coffee, so I mean, <laughs> What's it's great combination. That? Yeah, it's great What's combination. Better? So uh, that also, you know, brings that educational part uh, without saying anything. You see people coming in, drinking coffee, and making that face of going, "Wow, what am I drinking?" <laughs> they look at the coffee, and, and uh, so that's that's a new experience for mo- many of them. Where do they do they do it at one spot, or is it just right now? We're doing it. Uh, we're getting uh, space, um, also a sponsorship for the space at the startup of Aggieland in Research Park. Okay. And we do it there every Wednesday at 8.15. In the morning, starts at 8.15. Gotcha. So anyone's welcome to come, to listen, to join. Uh, and uh, it's, it's fun. We always have between 15 to 30 people attending on a weekly basis. So... Some people, they confess they come for the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well but be honest. But it's a, but it's a, it's a good, no, it's a, it's a really great thing. It's a, I, I really enjoyed it. Well, tell everybody where they can find, like, get a hold of What's the Buzz. I'm sure you can order it over the internet and have it shipped to you, like you guys ship out, you do whatever for people. So where can they find all of your products and you guys and learn more about What's the Buzz? Well, yes, we have a website uh, at what's the bus coffee.com um, and uh, we sell uh, locally uh, in call station through HB and Kroger's but we also have coffees available in other places all the restaurants uh, in call station and coffee shops as well uh, that they sell our coffee and um, of course, we're located at 2151 Harvey Mitchell Parkway, uh, Suite 326, which is pretty much behind Goodwill and Tractor Supply on the back part. And we have a storefront there along with the roastery. So you're welcome to come and look at all the coffees that we have and see some of the crazy stuff that we do here. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Rodrigo, thank you very much. Well, this thank is, you. For this has been a blast, man. Is there anything else you want to like promote or shout out that you guys are doing well, that we missed or anything thank you for the opportunity uh, uh to do the podcast uh, i'm always you know open to to do these things um and if you need any additional information feel free to send us an email um and i will try to respond accordingly as fast as possible uh, but any coffee questions, you know, we're we're open. Or if you want to buy coffee, of course, we're open here. We're open Monday through Friday from 10 to 6. Uh, we're not open on weekends. Uh, we try to rest and do family other things. Time. Family, family time. Family time. Or catch-up time. <laughs> yeah, catch-up time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you're all welcome. And, uh, again, thank you for the opportunity to do the podcast. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it, Rodrigo. All right.